he sent me a, a snapshot of weather.com, and it said it was 108 here. And I just didn't believe him because I was looking at the frost, and I was slipping on the porch, and, and I kept pulling out that phone every once in a while and just looking at it and showing my wife and showing the kids and saying, you know what, that's in Dallas right now. And woe is me, I didn't have a jacket. <laughs> to me, that was really funny. I mean, <laughs> you know, the other thing that I'm excited about this last week is um, uh, we actually signed a contract on a, uh, a facility that's really close to here. Uh, and what it is, what I'm really excited about is for those who serve uh, in the AV, the kids' kingdom, um, all the hard work that goes in that, because it, for the next five to seven years, uh, we're going to have a facility that's going to hold about 500 people, uh, which I'm really excited. And it's, it's going to be a long-term lease. We'll talk more about that. It won't be ready for a couple months, uh, but we'll be talking about that as we move forward. And speaking of children's ministry, kids' kingdom, I need three people that want to be like Jesus that want to serve, that haven't been in Kids Kingdom for a while, that would like to be like Jesus, that would like to serve. And if you're someone who would like to be like Jesus and haven't been in Kids Kingdom for a while, I need you to see uh, Steve um, Hazinga. Where's Steve at? He's in the back, and he's in red, so he's easy to find. So all the, the little ones, that, the bowls that want to look for the red, go to the red, because um, we need three people that want to be like Jesus, and I know they're here. So, Steve, tell me if you have three people, and let me know if you have more than three that come up. So, amen. All right, I, want to, I, have, a, I have a question. What's the problem with trust? I want to talk about the problem with trust. You know, we can talk about the problem with pain. You know, we can talk about the problem with whatever topic you want to talk about, but I want to talk about the problem of trust. And there's a scripture, I've been diving, was in Luke for a long time, and now I'm kind of gravitating toward John, the book of John. And there's a scripture that I've read over and over and over again, I want to share it with you, because I think it's kind of the base of my, my thoughts of what's the problem with trust. John chapter 14 in verse 1, and it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So the context of this is that Jesus has been basically, he's been telling his disciples that he's going to leave. He's going to be um, basically murdered. And he's going to go back into heaven. He's been telling his disciples. Now it's really getting to a point where the atmosphere is so tense that the disciples are starting to get it. And he's having his last supper. And he's telling them. He goes, guys, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm dying. And their hearts are troubled. There's another scripture in Proverbs. It says, the heart knows its own bitterness. And no stranger shares its joy. You think about that for a second. You know, it's like, you know, we have this big group of people, different people. You know, we're the, we're, we're so different in our, in our culture, in our church. The way we look, 
the way we dress, our economic background, um, the colors, our history, it's all different. And so each heart has its own bitterness, and no one understands it completely. Same thing with your joy. So Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he goes, don't let your hearts be bitter. So I don't know what bitterness you have right now. I don't know what trouble you have right now. But I do know that every single one of us has troubles and bitterness and hardship, and no one can completely understand what you're going through. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Trust in God. Trust also in me. So that, that's awesome. That's incredible. Now here's the issue. What's the problem with trust? Jesus said, trust God. Trust in me. But see, I think we have a problem. I think we have a problem. We in our nature have a problem. And that problem is in trust. So I want to look at a story. I want to look at a man that in, in the staff with the elders, I've been starting to dive in here a little bit. I like to dive into different things. But, but in, when it comes to leadership, I'm diving into the kings. And I want to look at one of the kings of Israel named Asa. And I want to open our Bibles. Let's turn over to 2 Chronicles chapter 14. And we're going to pick it up in Asa. And Asa was one of the kings of Israel. And you look at how it starts off. Chapter 14, verse 2. And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He took away the foreign altars in the high places, broke down the pillars and cut down the ashram, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and keep the law and the commandment. He also took out all the cities of Judah, the high places and incense altars, and the kingdom had rest under him. He says he built the fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years, for the Lord gave him peace. And he said to Judah, let us build these cities and surround them with walls and towers and gates and bars. The land is still ours, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and he has given us peace on every side. So they built and prospered. Can you imagine here, the situation is, he's doing what is good and right. There's rest, there's peace. And so what did they do? They built and they prospered. I mean, you think about that. Man, the times were good. Economically, emotionally, no drama. This is the whole nation was at peace. And so they built and they prospered. And then something happened. War. Let's keep on reading. Chapter 14, verse 11. What happened here is that in, uh, in the Chronicles, it says a million Ethiopian, a million man army of Ethiopians with 300 chariots attacked Israel or Judah. And it says in chapter 14, verse 11, it says, And Asa cried out to his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help. Between the mighty and the weak, help us, O Lord, our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we've come against this multitude. O Lord, you are God. Let, na let not man prevail against you. And so what happens is that literally this huge army is marching towards Judah. 
a million people in Israel literally had a third of that. And so what they do is that they cry out to God because this vast army is coming. And then you see how God brings victory in 2 Chronicles chapter 15 in verse 1. The spirit came upon Asariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their distress they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, he was found by them. In those times, there was no peace in him to, uh, to him. And in those times, there was no peace to him who went out and to him who came in. For the great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands. They were broken in pieces. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city. For God troubled them with every sort of distress. But you take courage. Let not your hands be weak, for you, your work shall be rewarded. As soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Asheriah, the son of Obed, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin, from the cities that he had taken in the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the vestibule of the house of the Lord. So you see here is that basically they're broken, they're crushed. You know, God has literally troubled the land with every sort of distress. You know, sometimes you're involved in situations, you're like, where did this come from? How did this happen? And you know what? Sometimes God brings it. But what does Asa do? He cries out to God. He hears the word of God from the prophet, and he takes courage. See, he takes courage, and you know what? He goes out, and he puts away the idols, which is interesting because earlier we just read that that's exactly what they did earlier. They took away the high places and the incense altars, but now they're putting away the idols, so what does that mean? Well, I think what it means is that Asa and Judah was starting to get a little bit deeper in their relationship with God. Okay, you know what? The obvious things, the high places, the Asherah poles, those are out in front. It's everyone, everyone sees them. It's obvious. The sin is obvious. You know what? Let's get rid of those. And then you know what? You kind of move along. You kind of mature. You go through, through things. You have war and adversity. And you know what? You get a little bit deeper. And like, oh, my gosh, there's something in my house I need to get rid of. Or maybe there's something in my heart I need to get rid of. And they put those away. Then they go and repair the altar. He gathers the people. And he offers sacrifices to the Lord. And so what happens? Well, let's keep on reading. 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 15. And all Judah rejoiced over the oath that they had sworn with all their hearts, and that they had sought him with their whole desire, and he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. You know, it's awesome when you make a decision. I'm gonna, I know I've been through some hard times, and you know, maybe it's the Lord afflicting me, and, and you know what, I'm going to repent, I'm going to take courage, I'm going to do it God's way. And I do it God's way. I'm getting deeper. And you know what? I'm taking more garbage out of my character and my life. And you know what? God blesses. And what do the people do? 
that they rejoice. And they're happy. They rejoice, and God gives them rest until, <laughs> until. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 1. Until in the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might not permit no one to go out or to come in to Asa, king of Judah. There is rejoicing, there is rest, until your neighbor, brothers, worshiping the same God, not an obvious enemy, but now a neighbor creates fear. You know, it says Asa for 36 years was worshiping God. Now, I don't know about you, but doing anything for 36 years, working the same job, living in the same home, driving the same car, 36 years. 36 years, this guy was leading Judah. And all of a sudden, his brother, the king of Israel, post-schematic brother, starts building up a city, a fortified city, so no one could come in and go out. And what was happening here is that Basa was basically losing a lot of Israelites over to Judah because Judah was doing it right. Ace Israel was doing it wrong. They put up different places to worship God. They, didn't want, they wanted to keep the nation separate. They were, um, the kings of Judah were still worshiping Jerusalem the way that Moses told them to do it. And David, how they told him to do it. And so what was happening is that people were leaving Israel to go to Judah. And the king of Israel was like, you know what? No, we're going to stop that. So we're going to build up this city, and no one's going to come in, and no one's going to go out. Created fear. So what does what is, uh, Asa do? What does he do after 36 years of doing it right? Chapter 16, verse 2. Then Asa took silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who lived in Damascus, saying, There's a covenant between me and you, as there was between my father and your father. Behold, I am sending to you silver and gold. Go, break your covenant with Basha, king of Israel, that he may withdraw from me. And Benadad listened to the king of Asa and sent the commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel and conquered Eon, Dan, Alba, Maine, and the store cities of Naphi. So what does Asa, the king of Israel, do? Hey, you know what? Here's my brother. Here's my brother who's worshiping God wrongly, but he's still my brother. And what I'm going to do is that he's causing me problems, and so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get this pagan king and you know what? Let's us have an agreement. I become self-reliant. Basically, he, he makes a treaty. It's a time-honored thing. Kings were doing that all the time. Hey, you know what? I have a problem with this guy. I need someone to attack him. He'll relieve the pressure off of me. And but what he does, he goes after a foreign nation. He becomes self-reliant. He creates a treaty. He takes gold out of the temple that's not even his to give. 
And he says, you know what, I want you to take God's gold, and I want you to go kill my brothers. So I don't have to live in fear. Chapter 16, verse 7. At that time, Haniah, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Assyria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those hearts is blameless towards him. You have done a foolish thing in this. From now on, you will have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in the stocks in prison. For he was in a rage with him because of this. And Asa inflict cruelties upon some of the people at the same time. So what did God do? God corrected him. He corrected him through the prophets. He corrected him through the word. And what happened to Asa became angry. He didn't like being corrected. He didn't like to be told he was doing wrong. And so what he does, he imprisons the prophet. You know, this is the first time that the prophets started to become persecuted by the kings of Israel. Up to this time, they were not persecuted. Now they became persecuted. And then not only that, but it says he started to oppress others. You know, sometimes when we're dealing with fear and, and, and all this stuff's going in our hearts, and then when, when sometimes when people maybe challenge us or talk to us, our response isn't quite the way it needs to be, like Jesus. And we become angry. We get resentful to the point where we can even persecute the person telling us or talking to us. And then we can also then start treating other people badly. Not only just the person who talked to us, but, but maybe my kids or maybe my wife or, or maybe my friends or, or maybe the, the person that I'm dealing with that's on the call that always calls me. I mean, it's like this last week. I kept getting a telephone call from Keller every day, two or three times a day. I'd get a telephone call. I didn't know the number. It didn't come up. It says, you know, I'm not going to take this call. I learned a lesson. If the, if the name doesn't come up, I am not going to pick it up. If they want to talk to me, leave a message, and I'll call you back. This number in Keller never left a message. And finally, I was sitting there. It was about 55 degrees outside. I was sitting there, and, and I was thinking, you know what? Here's that, here's that met call from Keller again. I picked it up. Hi, this is the Star-Telegram. <laughs> See, we got rid of our newspaper. I'm like, you know what? I'm just I'm tired of what I read. I'm just I can get it off the internet. So I, we disconnected us. I'd say $40 a month. And Star Telegram, or Daily, Dallas Morning News, is trying to get my business back. They're trying to get my money back. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and instead of being polite, hey, thank you, no thank you, I'm not interested in the paper anymore. Hi, this is Star Telegram. I don't even want to talk to you. Treating people maybe a little edgy. What does Asa do? What happens to Asa? Let's keep on reading Second Chronicles chapter 16. The acts of Asa from the first to last 
are written in the book of Kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of the reign of Asa, he was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help only from physicians. What happened to Asa? Well, he hardened his heart. He got to a point where he didn't seek God anymore. He didn't seek the Lord anymore. He had an obvious issue. He had something obvious that everyone saw, and his feet were diseased. And literally for three years, nope. Now, I love physicians. I think physicians are awesome. But, you know, my mindset is that I'm going to seek all the help I can get because if I got issues, I want all the help I can get. And Asa was like, no, I'm just going to get physicians to, to treat me. Even though God worked incredibly through his reign for 30 plus years, he did not seek the Lord because his heart was hardened. So what's the problem with trust? Now in Asa's situation, Asa's situation, the problem with trust for him was fear. He became fearful. There, were, there was something in his life that, that just tripped the trigger. It's like, you know what, it's not a million-man army coming against me. It's just this maybe little issue, but it created fear. And then he became self-reliant. Asa was like, you know what, I can do this. I can take care of this. Let me just deal with it my way. You know what, let me work out this relationship with this king. He'll take care of it. We'll all be good. God, I don't have to worry. I don't have to bother you today. And then he allowed his heart to be hardened to God. You just get to a point where, you know what, that friction, that, that hardness, and that, that callousness started building up. And you know what, I, I don't need you anymore. So how do we trust God? See, the problem with trust is this story is in the Bible to help us understand character. And I believe the kings, in my mind, what, one of the reasons I'm looking forward to studying out more of the kings is because I think it's a study on the human heart, the character. You know, we live better than the kings did. Our health care is better. Our chariots are faster. Our houses have lights instead of candles. We don't have to worry about bugs too much. We, we live in splendor compared to the kings. But see, the kings had it pretty good. But you still see this study of their hearts, their character. You know, and so when I, when I ask you, how do you trust God? Well, for again, like Asa, it's like, you know, it usually hits us in areas that are personally challenging. So it creates fear. Because, you know, this is, this is tight. This is close. Emotionally, this is, this is sensitive. I mean, if it's a, like a, a million-man army, it's out in the field, it's like, oh, my gosh, that's huge. That's obvious. I need to go to God in this. But you know what? Now it's my brother. Now it's close. Now it's not so obvious. But it creates fear. I don't know what fear you're going through right now. 
But again, a group this size, we have lots of fear in this room. The issue is, do we see it? Do we understand? Like, yeah, I'm fearful about this. This, this does create fear in me. And I think we have to become self-aware. You know, I've always found it easier to trust in the name of Todd than to trust God or others. And it's always easier for me. You know, throw me the ball. I can make it. <laughs> Let me do this. I know what I'm capable of. Because it's easy. Because we know what, we, we have a good idea of what we can do. But unfortunately, sometimes we don't know really what we can do. I remember when I was going to, back in college, chiropractic school, we had this basketball league. And I was putting together this team. And, and you know, I mean, most of the guys are actually pretty decent. But I had one guy, he really wanted to be on the team. Yeah, come on. And he was a great guy. He was from New York. He was going to chiropractic school. He was on the team. And literally, I would throw the ball in. And this guy would take the ball all the way down court and then shoot. Usually miss. <laughs> They'd get the ball, come back, score. I'd take the ball, throw it out. He'd take it all the way down court and shoot and miss. And they'd go back and score again. I'd get the ball, throw it out. He'd take it all the way down. And literally, this, this almost the whole game, this guy had no concept of how bad he was. After the game, the other guys that I put on the team said, you got to deal with this. <laughs> this guy trusted in himself so much that it became obvious to everyone else. And then lastly, the fear with Asa was allowing his heart to be hardened. And I think this is a very real problem. I mean, I could just see it. You know, sometimes like in my marriage with Patty, it's like, you know, she would tell me, especially in the early years, she would tell me, she would tell me, she would tell me, she would tell me. And, and, you know, then I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about her the way she told me. Not about what she told me, but how she told me. Well, I think you did that disrespectfully. <laughs> well, I don't appreciate your tone and how you're telling me. <laughs> well, you should have said it this way, not that way. But always not really dealing with the issue. Because, see, you know what? <laughs> it was hardened. My heart was hardened. And I did not let her in. And I'm like, man, well, I'm an idiot. There's no one that loves me more. There's no one that was willing to marry me. There was no <laughs> one that was. And, and so I'm not listening to the person who I know loves me more than anyone else. Because my heart was hardened. And I think that's, the, and I, I just, I'm in fear of that. You know, this is going to be a two-part lesson. Because next week, I'm going to deal, I'm going to talk about again the problem with trust. But there's one scripture I want to leave you with. That I believe deals with hardness of heart. And that's in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 4. This is Paul, and he's talking and to a bunch of people he loves. And, you know, he's in prison, a Roman prison. Life is hard. 
I bet, I bet he is dealing with fear. I, I bet you he, he is being tempted to be self-reliant. I bet you he, he's going through a lot of things like, well, no one loves me and no one understands what I'm going through and, and everyone's abandoned me. And, and, but, you know, I'm here in these stockades and, you know, let me, I'm writing this letter to people I love. And then look what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. So what does Paul say? Paul says that in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God. So how can we keep our, our hearts from being hardened? Prayer. Begging God. Calling out to God. Certainly with an attitude of gratitude, Lord, God, thank you, that million-man army that you took care of like 30 years ago. Man, you took care of that. Man, what a doofus I am. I started building up. I, I created this, uh, this relationship with a foreign king, and I know he kills some of my brothers and sisters. I know I blow it, but God, please forgive me. God, all oh, my feet. Lord, where's the podiatrist when I need it? My feet are bothering me. Everyone sees it. Everyone smells it. <laughs> God, can you do something about two feet? But I'm grateful. Thank you. I have two feet. I'm the king. Man, I'm living pretty good. Thank you, God. Thank you, I have servants. This is incredible, but God, can you? You know. You understand. By prayer and petition, make your request known to God. And this peace, then, of God will overcome. And I'll say this. Through the years that, I, that I've been a disciple, the one thing that I've said over and over and over again is that if I don't pray, I'll go insane. If I don't pray. I can read. I like to read. I enjoy to read. I probably don't read as no enough. And reading is good, but if I don't talk to God, if I don't communicate to God, if I don't spend time in God, with God in prayer, that he knows everything. Because, see, I love you, but none of you understand completely the pain that's within my heart. I've been married now for almost 30 years. My wife knows me really well. She does not know completely the sorrow in my heart. She knows a lot, but she doesn't know everything. She can't. It's impossible. There's no one that can understand exactly how you feel. There's no one that can understand the heart knows its own bitterness. But who does know? God. The Father. He knows. He knows what I feel. He knows what I'm going through. He knows my fear. He knows how I want to become self-reliant. He knows my heart could get hardened. He's there. He knows. He understands. He's waiting. 
So what's the problem with trust? You know the problem with trust? <laughs> it's me. I'm the problem with trust. Now, you can all sit there like, yeah, it is. It's Todd. <laughs> That's not the point. We're the problem with trust. Why? Because, see, why, why do I know I'm the problem with trust? Because I know my heart. I know what I think, what I feel, what I go through, my tendencies, where I want to go, when I go through struggles or hardships. Or I, I am the problem with trust. And that's why it's like, I don't want my heart to be hardened. I want to be open with God. I want to be open with as many brothers and sisters as I can. Because, see, if I'm open, then people know what I'm going through. At least a little bit. At least some. But at least they can then go to God in prayer. So I hope as we study out the problem with trust, We'll go back and read those two chapters in Chronicles, and we'll get the bigger picture, and we'll understand what Asa was going through. And then next week, if I remember, I'll work on the second part of this lesson <laughs> and deal with the problem with trust. And if you have time, study out David, especially in his dealings with Goliath. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Father, our God, we come to you now this time humbled and grateful Father, we are grateful for all the things that you've done in our life. God, how you've loved us and led us. And God, you say through your son to trust in you and trust in Jesus. Father, because I know that our hearts can be troubled. And God, I pray at this time that each one of us, whatever pain, whatever trouble we have, Father, that we'll trust that you know and understand everything that we go through. And that, God, that we'll make that clear to you. Father, thank you for your son and his sacrifice. Thank you for this bread and the fruit of the vine. That, God, that we can come before you in a relationship with your son. We're grateful. And it's in your son's name, Jesus, we now pray. Amen.